we've got a great guest for you guys now. In studio is John Delaney, who has been running for president, the longest of out of all the Democratic candidates. Thank you for coming. Thanks in. for we having appreciate me. It. Yeah, great really to be here, appreciate yeah. it. Yep. So uh, you are a U.S. Congressman, or you uh, from Maryland? Yes. And uh, and you're a little bit different than than some of the the guests that have come on. Uh, everybody's a spectrum here in the Democratic race, obviously. Right. Uh, although Tim Ryan is pretty close to some of your positions, and, and he was in here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so uh, you are proudly moderate, is that fair to say? Yeah, I'm proudly a problem solver. Mm -hmm. right? I, I think the things that I want to achieve are completely consistent with what I think everyone in the field is looking to do. But I think the way I try to get there is different. So mm -hmm. I'm just a problem solver by nature. I think my background's a little different. I was an entrepreneur before I ran for office started two businesses, they were successful, and so I'm just kind of wired to get things done. So I think that does make me a little different. Yes, and so what's, before we get to some of the policies, sure, yeah. what's your pitch to the American people for why you should be president rather than the 23 other Democrats before we even get to Trump? Trump's obvious, right, but, but why you instead of the other 23? So I think I'm uniquely focusing on what I think the central issue this country faces, which is how terribly divided we are. Right, we have a divider in chief in the White House. I think we need the next president needs to try to bring this country together, which doesn't mean we're going to agree with each other on everything, but just to restore this notion of common purpose that we're all in it together and we got to work hard to leave the world better than we found it. So that's one thing. I'm also a problem solver, you know, because as I said, my background's very different. And I just think I have new ideas on all the big issues we face, whether it be healthcare or climate, go down the list. I think I have really new ideas. So, Congressman, um, if we're coming together, I, I always ask the question of what are we coming together for, right? And I think that's a fair question. Yes. So today, for example, uh, shockingly, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Ted Cruz agreed. And they agreed that, uh, that former congressmen and senators should never be allowed to be lobbyists. Okay, now on the other hand, uh, Democrats and Republicans- I don't have, have a problem with that. Okay, great, <laughs> so that's all right, that's uh, wonderful. Um, on the other hand, uh, there's too much of that stuff. Yes, Congress people have gotten together for giant tax cuts for mm -hmm. uh, the rich and corporations, the Iraq War, and I, you know, I wouldn't agree to that right. as a progressive. So people see, can come together on good things, and they can also come together on some pretty bad things, right? So, right. I mean, I look at it simply, right? Which is, I think there's a there are a lot of things we we should be able to agree with each other on building infrastructure, doing things to improve healthcare. And we should be finding common ground to get some of those things done. Then there are a bunch of things we don't agree with each other on, and we should have a battle of ideas. It should be based on the truth, the facts, it should be civil and respectful. I just think if we thought of our jobs that way, you think of it like you get up, you go to work in the morning, you know, for the morning, we argue about the things we don't agree with each other on. We go to lunch, we come back, we roll up our sleeves, and we find common ground and get some things done. So there's two issues with that that I'm worried about. Yeah, uh, I want to get to the issues sure. in a second, but as a structural matter, I'm worried that that's not really how it works. That that the Republican Party in specific, but unfortunately, a lot of the Democratic Party too, takes a t giant amount of donations. Yeah, and then when they take those corporate donations, etc. You're not going to be able to convince them. There is no beer summit that yep. will talk Mitch McConnell out of supporting his corporate donors. Right. So is so I worry that that's a misunderstanding of how they make decisions, especially in the Republican Party. You could, there, there's a lot of lying for money going on in politics right now, where people basically take checks from people and then they say things and do things that they know aren't true, or that they know are, are the right aren't the right things to do. 
So there's no question that we've got to get as much money out of politics as possible. Absolutely. But we've got to do other things too. We've got to end gerrymandering, which creates too many one-sided congressional districts, right? And makes it very hard for people to come together. We've got to pass things like the Voting Rights Amendment Act so that people can't suppress voting, which is happening all around this country. We've got to do things around social media and making sure there's more transparency. You know, so people can't put up doctored videos. You know where this is gonna go. I mean, in a few years, they'll be able to take my face or your face or our voices and put them in completely realistic, you know, scenarios. And there's no disclosure required. If I put one of my ads on television, I have to say paid for by John Delaney for president. If I put that same ad on social media, I don't have to disclose any of that. So there's some basic things we need to do to ensure that representative democracy works. I totally agree with you on that. Uh, Quick aside that I want to come back sure. to how you would get to compromise. Would you be in favor of a constitutional amendment to end all private financing of elections so that the politicians are not beholden to private interests but serve public interests instead? Well, I've been in favor of a constitutional amendment to overturn Citizens United. Mm-hmm. Right, absolutely. You know, taking it so far as having the 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 government finance all elections, which does happen in certain mm-hmm. parts of the country. I mean, it's an interesting idea. I think people ought to be able to express themselves to some extent and to support candidates to some extent. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but there's got to be limits and there has to be complete transparency. Because right now, you know, if someone gives me money, and I don't take money from corporations or PACs, I just mm-hmm. take them from individuals. If they give me more than $200, they have to say their name, where they live, and what they do for a living. So you can look up as who's giving me money. But someone could put all this money in a super PAC, much more, because there's no limits, and we don't know who they are. You know, yep. so we've got to end that stuff. So now let's go to whether we can achieve compromise on our ground, because I don't sure. want to really compromise on Mitch McConnell's ground, to be honest with you. I, and listen, I think Mitch McConnell has been unpatriotic. Okay. I mean, what he did to President Obama, right? President Obama gets elected, and Mitch McConnell sits there and says, we're going to do everything possible to make sure he gets nothing done. That to me is fundamentally unpatriotic because your job is to put the interest of the citizens ahead of your own. That doesn't mean there's not politics, right? That doesn't mean yeah. there's not you know positioning and all that stuff. But fundamentally to say, I'm not gonna do anything, anything, because that's good politics. I mean, I just thought that was terrible. Right, so now let's talk about whether you can get a deal with a guy like that and with the party right. that he leads. He's not just a random person yeah. in the Republican Party, he's no. a leader in the Senate. So you mentioned two specific policy points there, infrastructure and healthcare. Yeah. So on infrastructure, both sides theoretically wanna do a deal. I think that the way that Trump is proposing it is to basically give contracts to all of his friends and privatize right. all the roads. And so, but I believe that if you got in there that there is compromises that could be found mm-hmm. in infrastructure. But on the issue of healthcare, they don't agree with us at all. So they say that we should further privatize our system. And so, but I don't know what your, I know what your position is, but I want the audience to know it. And yeah, Yeah. so let's start there and then see, is there a way that the Republicans would ever agree to that? So I think the Republicans in Congress in many ways are different than Republicans around the country and independent voters around the country. So we always have to think of these yep. people differently. I really do believe that. So my plan for healthcare is I think everyone should have healthcare as a right. So I favor a form of universal system where you get a healthcare plan as a right of citizenship. I think it's a basic human right. I also think it's smart economic policy. I mean, I started a business right after school and ended up being successful. I created 2,000 jobs. I would have never started that business but for the fact that my wife was working and had healthcare. 
because we were starting a young family and I'm a pretty responsible person and I would have never left my job to start a business. And I would have never created all those jobs and it fundamentally changed my life. And those stories are everywhere today in the economy, I think. So I want everyone to have a basic government healthcare package as a right. But what I don't want to do is make the government the only provider of healthcare. I want people to have the ability to opt out if they want, go buy their own private insurance, or do what Medicare beneficiaries do, which is buy these supplemental plans. I think that kind of mixed model, which is what Germany has, I think that's the best system as a matter of policy and as a matter of politics. As a matter of policy, the reason I think it's a good system is right now the two government programs, Medicaid and Medicare, they don't pay cost, right? Medicaid only pays 80% of cost, Medicare only pays 95% of cost, and private insurance pays about 115% of cost. So we don't have any evidence to suggest that if the government was the only payer, that it would ever pay enough. And if you talk to most hospitals, particularly rural hospitals, and you ask them what would happen if the government paid all the bills, they all say they would close. So that's the policy matter. Everyone should have healthcare as a right. It should be free as part of citizenship, but people ought to be able to opt in and get options. But the other thing is about 150 million Americans have private insurance right now, and 70% of them like it. So I just think it's a terrible idea for us as a party, as a matter of politics, to run on making those plans illegal. Okay, then before so we that's my that's my quick overview of how I think about healthcare. Right before we get to the Republicans and sure. whether they'd even agree to your system, which I think they wouldn't. Right? No, they uh. they vote, listen. The ones in Congress voted to take health. I mean, I was there. I, I watched them vote sixty times to take healthcare away from twenty million Americans. Right. So you got to take this case more to the American people. Yeah. Let's talk about the substance though of that sure. policy. Yeah. I, I have a different point of view on it. Yeah. And so. Let's talk about the two parts that you mentioned. So first of all, in terms of the people that have private insurance now, 150 million people, you would acknowledge that Medicare for all would give them insurance and actually with more coverage than they currently have. So it's not like that you take away their private insurance and they have no insurance at all. No, they would have Medicare. And in the version that Pramila Jayapal has mm-hmm. in the House or Bernie Sanders has in the Senate. a Congress. Yeah, absolutely, that they would have Expanded coverage, not less coverage. They would absolutely have healthcare. You know, I get how it works. I just think, again, we're not talking about policy right now. We're just talking about politics on this matter. I just still think, because I remember with all these Affordable Care Act fights, right, where some people weren't able to keep their plan. Mm-hmm. You know, and President Obama kind of misspoke. There's mm-hmm. a very small number of Americans. Mm-hmm. And the backlash on that, because people felt like they were losing. Their plans. I mean, my dad was a union electrician, right? He was mm-hmm. a 60 year member of the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. Yeah. And his union fought so hard to get him and us a great health care plan. And I just think about my dad and go to him and say, You're going to lose this plan, which he loved and he used to talk about all the time, and you got to go on Medicare. He wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, well, he'd be wrong. Um, but he may be, but, but, but again, like I just think if we run on taking healthcare away from 150 million Americans, I think- Well, you're we'll not lose. taking healthcare away, right. nor are you even taking insurance away. But we're taking their healthcare and 70% and of them like And giving them a better one. So you acknowledge though that Medicare is incredibly popular. Medicare is popular, but remember, one of the reasons Medicare is popular is because Medicare beneficiaries, the overwhelming majority of them, buy supplemental plans. Mm-hmm. To, to enhance that. I mean, I go to, you know, I've right. done 400 events in Iowa, New Hampshire, all over this country, and I always ask, particularly when I have seniors, how many of them Medicare? Well, their hands go up. How many of them you have supplemental plans? 80, 90% of the hands go right. up. Right. So, so, you so know, I think so they, they, they would answer the question very differently 
if they just had basic Medicare. So supplemental, I just wanna be clear, is, yeah. is different than having a private option. Because it adds on top of Medicare's uh, right. benefits. So, but it's I think a that private be, option on it's top. It's a private of, option on top. Though, absolutely. On top. And so in, in the Giant Paul and Sanders, you, you likely would not need that because they give you so much coverage that, uh, that it covers pretty much what the private insurance supplementals do for Medicare right now. But now let's turn, and so when you say, when you talk about the politics, this is what frustrates me a lot about Democratic leadership. Well, you could make those cases. If you made those cases, right. right? So if Obama didn't say, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have done that," and instead said, "Wait a minute, you have better coverage, you have better coverage," yeah. then, and, then and I think we could deliver. win those armies. I mean, listen, the Affordable Care Act did deliver better coverage, but I also the, the the real point in terms of why I don't like a single payer plan is we don't have any evidence. I hear what you're saying about how under their bill they're going to create this better plan, but we've got 50 years of data to suggest that the government just doesn't do that because of budget issues. It mm-hmm. just doesn't do that. And and historically, Medicare has paid anywhere from kind of 85 to 95% of healthcare costs. Meaning if you and I owned a hospital, mm-hmm. like let's say we went down the street and we decided to set up a hospital. If we just took Medicare, that hospital would close. Yeah, so I'm not sure that I agree with that. It might close at the current salaries that they have for uh, the yes, reimbursement doctor. rates. Yeah. Yes, for doctors, but also for executives and administrators, etc. So now the reason I state that is every other developed nation has single payer, right? And it costs half of what we pay on average. Germany doesn't. and they deliver better results. So it's not like doctors stop working in Netherlands or Canada right. or Japan. Right. In fact, it costs half as much, but they still have doctors and they have better health care. Right. Well, listen, I've modeled, in many ways, my system's modeled off the German model, mm-hmm. which has a very good healthcare system, but it's a mixed model. You get a basic government plan, and then you have options. I just think it's more consistent with what the American people are looking for, because the American people do like choices. We, you know, we're wired kind of that way. We're a little different than other places. I'm also a pragmatic idealist. Like you and I completely agree on one thing here, which is that everyone should have healthcare as a right. Mm-hmm. Right? That puts us, by the way, in a different universe than the Republicans. Mm-hmm. Right. right, and so the question is, what's the right way of getting there? You know, and my approach is based on both a practical view. I was in the healthcare. One of the one of my businesses was actually in the healthcare business, so I spent a lot of time in this industry, helping rural hospitals and things like that. So I have pretty good insight, I think, into how the system works, and I just think I have a, a more practical way of getting there, and it will preserve a lot of the things the American people like about healthcare. While also giving everyone health care is right. Which I, I know I'm staying on this a, a little long, but it's illustrative. Of, it's a of, six to the US economy. It's yes, worthy of a good right, debate. Yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> that's why I wanted to, to stay on. When you say the American people are, are not necessarily ready, but it does poll at 70% and 52% are Republicans right. even. I agree. So that seems like they might be ready. And I, I, when I look at that stuff, what, I, what I'm seeing, particularly when I look at the polling, is, and this is why I think we can win on this issue. I mean, we won on this issue in 2018. You know, make no mistake about it. This was a huge issue in 2018. Mm-hmm. I think we can win on this issue. I think what the American people are looking for is us to fix the healthcare system, get some of these costs under control, and ensure universal access. You know, I think when we go to the next phase and actually start being out in front of the American people on these plans, I just think when people understand what some of this stuff really means, which is you may not be able to keep literally 150 million Americans have private insurance. And Gallup just did a poll, 70% of them like it. I just worry, putting aside why the reasons I don't think it's good policy, 
I just feel like we're not gonna win many elections if we right. win that. Yeah, so we, we went over that. I think if you told them, will you have more right. coverage and you won't have copays or premiums or deductibles, right. they might like it a lot better. I think what you and I can <laughs> definitely agree on is I'd like a Democrat in the White House, preferably me. I want <laughs> That's right. Nancy Pelosi controlling the House of Representatives and I want a Democrat control of the Senate so that we can actually have this debate with the American people and find the best way forward. Right, one last thing on that, you know, you mentioned it as a matter of choice, but the problem with keeping the private insurance, because it sounds appealing, like why not? And, and, and I remember during the Affordable Care Act right. debate, I kept saying it in reverse. I'm like, I understand you wanna have private insurance as the, as the basis, that's what we have today. Why can't we have a public option so we have choice? I'm totally for a public option. Yeah, no, absolutely, so I understand the allure right. of that. but. Uh, Economists right. point out, well, then what private insurance would do is they would keep all the healthy people in America because they'd have a profit motive to right. keep the healthy. And they would try to cover as little of the sick people right. as possible Absolutely. and put it onto the taxpayers, which would then create an uneven playing field. Which is why I, the system I favor gives everyone a basic government health care package as a right, and then the ability to get these supplementals. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, your government becomes your major medical. Remember that term from when we were young, people used to say major medical. Mm -hmm. And then you can get more bells and whistles by buying supplemental plans. I think that's where everyone's system will ultimately converge at a time. That would be the smart fix in healthcare if we could create that system. And by the way, there's a weird tax exemption right now in healthcare that if you were to change the system, it funds a lot of this stuff. You know, the corporate deductibility of healthcare, yep, yep. right? So the employee isn't taxed on the benefit, yet the company can deduct it. That's a $4 trillion tax exemption. So if you actually created a system where everyone had healthcare is right, and then they went around, and if they were working for a company, the company could negotiate a group supplemental plan, but the employee would buy it themselves, and it would be a relatively small amount of money. You wouldn't need that exemption, and that would free up a lot of money to pay for this. Right, and, and Congressman, you run a business, I, I run a business, and we know that a lot of our expenses go towards healthcare. You if you took that away and just right. had a Medicare for all system, or perhaps a system like yours yeah. to some degree, uh, man, that, that means we can give raises to people. Yeah, no one who's running a business wants to be in the healthcare business. Yeah. It is the craziest system. Imagine our car insurance tied to our job. I mean, I think one of my daughters, I have four daughters, I think one of them might have 15 jobs in the future. You know, my dad, the union electrician, had one job. Mm -hmm. Maybe back then it made sense to tie your healthcare to your job. Most people had one jobs. But who would ever come up with that system for the economy we're going into? We want to encourage people to. To go back to school if they need to, get training, go get another job, start a business like you did and like I did. And you don't want them ever sitting there and saying, well, I can't do that because of my health care. I mean, that's yeah. a terrible system. 100% agreed. All right. Now, you're, again, going back to the beginning and, and the point of this yeah. interesting conversation about the different paths to, yes. to health care solution is you're running as more of a centrist or, or a moderate. Politically speaking, uh, isn't it fair to ask, didn't we try that before against Donald Trump? Because Hillary Clinton was the more moderate or centrist candidate. So why would this time be different? You know, it's funny, in some ways, Trump, even though he had some ridiculous things he said that were, quote, not moderate, some of the things he ran on were actually pretty moderate. Building infrastructure, which of course he hasn't done, mm -hmm. right? Not messing with Social Security and Medicare. Which he kind of has now tried to. Yep. I mean, he, he wasn't honest about anything then, nor was he honest about anything his whole life. So I'm not actually sure, putting aside some of his outrageous things, some of the stuff he ran pretty hard on were actually pretty moderate. I mean, I think the issue last time is our candidate, Secretary Clinton, who I supported, I think people had very strong views about her. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't a lot of changing people's minds.
So but you I, don't but think I do think a moderate is what we need this time, because I think that's how we won in 2018. I really do. I'm not sure that that's true, and, and there is mixed evidence on that, by the way. And so some moderate Democrats won in, in suburban areas, and then Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and a lot of the progressives right. won in areas and even upsetting moderate and centrist Democrats. So it's a, it's a in mixed a primary. Plan. In primaries, and right. then easily won elections. Absolutely. Right. But when I look at those 40 seats that we flipped, because I campaigned mm -hmm. for a lot of those people, mm -hmm. you know, which really created our path. Most of those people ran on solving problems. They ran on infrastructure. Mm -hmm. They ran on putting their constituents first. They, all of them said something like this, which is, I'll work with Trump if he wants to do something good for my district. They ran on fixing health care, but not saying that single payer was the only way forward. Right? Some of them mm -hmm. said, you know, there's good things about it, but I'm open minded. I just think this next election, the president's going to turn out his voters in huge numbers, and we're going to turn out because we understand. But the that, that's exactly what I'm worried about, and so that we're not going to be able to turn out our voters by going middle of the road, right? So Joe Donnelly, Claire McCaskill, I could go on and on right. of people who ran as moderates in in those states and just got clobbered. Yes, and to to the larger point. You say 2018, but on the other hand, 10 years we ran that kind of campaigns. Schumer, Pelosi, Obama were all in favor of those kind of campaigns. And we lost a thousand seats across the country for the Democratic Party. Isn't that pretty overwhelming evidence that running as centrist and running closer to Republicans has not turned out our base and has cost us elections? Well, you know, I think things do change. And I think losing all those state legislature seats, I don't think we had our eye on the ball, right? I think the one thing. The Republicans were much more strategic than we were, is they understood if you control these state legislatures, you really control the Congress through gerrymandering. Mm -hmm. And we didn't see that coming, and we should never let that happen again. I mean, we gotta win not only the White House, but we gotta win at these local levels. But this is the way I look at the most recent election, which is 2018. Mm -hmm. We had 435 candidates run for Congress, and they were amazing, I thought. And they beautifully represented the diversity of this country. Some of them were young. Some of them are a little more experienced. Some of them are white, some of them were people of color, some of them were self-described socialists, some of them were strong moderates, some of them were straight, some were gay, some were men, some were women. We had an amazing diversity of candidates by ideology and everything else. And we had record turnout in almost all those districts. So I just think the Democratic Party really understands what's at stake. In 2018, what was at stake was putting a check on a president who was completely unfit and acting lawless. And I think in 2020, it's taken back our country. So yeah. I really do believe Democrats are gonna turn out, whether it's me or the 100 other people running for president. <laughs> so I actually do think this is gonna be fought in the center. And, and again, there's different opinions on this, and I respect yeah. that, but that's my, that's my opinion on it. Absolutely, and I want everybody to know, johndelaney.com is the website. And you could volunteer, you could donate. Uh, and and I appreciate uh, Congressman Delaney coming on here for a great conversation. I, I really enjoyed really, it. This yeah. was one of my best interviews. Thank, thank you. you so much. Yeah, thank I you. Really appreciate it. Thank you for watching, guys. Uh, we'll see you on Monday.